Welcome, everybody. Hope you're having a good Friday. You know, it's not a particularly great Friday for those in the Republican Party that now are burdened seemingly in the runaway train of impeaching Joe Biden without any evidence. You know, those dreams you sometimes have, or am I the only one where you wake up? Uh, I'm sorry, no, <laughs> while you are dreaming, all of a sudden the dream starts and you've committed some crime. You didn't mean to commit it. You somehow got wrapped up, but it's already been done. And now you've got to figure out, oh, my goodness, I never meant to get involved in this. How do I get out of this? I've got to I've got to go to the police or I've got to escape to Australia or something. Well, that's the situation. And then you wake up. And fortunately, it was all a dream for Republicans. They are in this situation, determined to impeach Joe Biden, launching an impeachment inquiry, and they don't have the evidence. It's like the class you never finished in high school. And now you're dreaming. I got to go back and get this class done in order to get my diploma. I don't know if these dream analogies are good ones, but these are some of the ones I have. Um, here's an example. Supposed IRS whistleblower Gary Shapley went on Fox News yesterday. This was after Hunter Biden said my dad had nothing to do with any of this stuff. This was after Republicans voted to formally launch the impeachment inquiry. And you're going to hear in this clip Gary Shapley lay out all sorts of allegations. Joe Biden was peddling influence and all these other things. And he is asked the simplest of simple questions by the Fox News host. Can Republicans prove any of that? Is there any actual evidence of that? And you will hear a painful silence after which Gary Shapley says, I don't know, they're investigating. You, you don't have to be financially uh, uh, connected to a business in order to uh, be a part of that business. And what what President Biden was uh, basically doing through Hunter Biden was allowing Hunter Biden to get these deals where there's no discernible actual product being produced. So it's really just a peddling of uh, of the influence. Uh, OK, of, Gary, uh, uh, given that answer, just a yes or no here. Can Republicans prove all that? <laughs> Gary? It's, it's up to their investigation. I'm, yeah, they, they have to conduct the investigation that they want to conduct. I'm sorry. So you're if not, they prove it, they prove it. Uh, so you're not sure about that question? That, yeah, I mean, the Republicans, they're, they're conducting <laughs> investigation in Congress. and they're, Can they prove any of that? Well, they're investigating. The ones are going to be able to, to, to interview the in, uh, individuals they want to interview, look at the evidence they want to look at, and ultimately they decide. I don't decide. There's ample evidence that shows that President Biden was involved in Hunter Biden's businesses in some way, shape or form. And yet we can't seem to surface any of that evidence. You know, the use of the term in, a whistleblower doesn't even seem appropriate here. A we've talked before about the difference between leakers and whistleblowers. The term leaker is not even at issue here. But when we're talking about a whistleblower, it's someone who exposes information that points to illegal or at least unethical behavior. And it could be a violation of the law or it could be a violation of a corporation's rules or it could be a violation of business regulations that aren't necessarily illegal or it could be some kind of threat to public trust. I don't even think you can call these so-called whistleblowers whistleblowers because they're not meeting any of all they have is allegations. And the problem is for many of these Republicans, the fact that there are allegations and the fact that there is an impeachment inquiry 
are being treated as evidence when in reality those are not forms of evidence. Now let's talk about some of the disgusting hypocrites that we've uncovered throughout this fiasco. As many of you know, we currently have a single party impeachment inquiry of Joe Biden going on. David, sir, what do you mean by that? What I mean is that no Democrats want to do the impeachment inquiry of Joe Biden. Look at how many Republicans four years ago, almost to the day this week. Look at how many Republicans previously said we shouldn't have single party impeachments. What was the difference four years ago? You know what it was. The impeached was the failed former President Trump. Now it's Biden. Here is MAGA Mike Johnson saying, no, 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 no. Impeachment processes were never created to be for single party impeachments, but that's what they're doing right now. The, the founding fathers, the founders of this country warned against single party impeachments, and they had a very specific reason for warning us against that. They? they said that it would be bitterly divisive, perhaps irreparably divisive <laughs> for the country. And that's what's happened now. This is the first time in the history of this nation in 243 years that a president has been treated in this manner when one party has has followed and pursued really? a predetermined political outcome. How about that, huh? Now, they are not yet doing a single party impeachment. They're doing a single party impeachment inquiry. But the same analysis certainly applies. And you only have to go back to their own words. Here's more of MAGA Mike Johnson from December 13th, 2019. This is f four years and a day ago. And he says, you don't get to remove a president because you don't like him if you don't have any evidence to support impeachment. That's what they're committed to doing to Joe Biden. Yeah. This is a president who just yesterday called a teenager on the autism spectrum a person with an anger management problem. Does that make it harder to defend him this vigorously? It, it, the president communicates in a unique way. He doesn't communicate the way I do and the may, way many of us would. But six, wait a minute, wait a minute, let me answer. 63 million Americans voted to make him the president of the United States. He has an unorthodox style. But what we're talking about in here is removing a president because the Democrats don't like that style. They don't like him. They don't like his Twitter account. They don't like many of his staff members. They don't like what he does in the office, but that the way our system is designed, the way our Constitution is written is the, the party in charge, even if you have the majority in Congress, you don't get to remove a president because you don't like him. They did not produce a scintilla <laughs> of evidence to support a charge of impeachment. And Republicans haven't yet either. So I, I don't know why, but I'll be charitable to MAGA Mike. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. If they don't find a scintilla of evidence against Joe Biden, I'm sure they won't move forward to impeach, right? or something like that. Here's Congressman Matt Gates again, almost four years ago to the day. Matt Gates also used to be against single party impeachments before he was for them, which is in 2023. The reality is they failed to meet their burden. And so now with no bipartisanship, matter of fact, the only bipartisan vote will be a bipartisan vote against impeachment with no direct evidence, with no enhanced public support for impeachment. Democrats will continue to visit the opportunity costs for this division on our country. As Republicans, we would like to work on infrastructure, on asylum reform, on policy changes that will actually impact the quality of life for our constituents. But for Democrats, impeachment is their drug. It is their obsession. <laughs> it is their total focus. And it is deeply disappointing that they failed to meet the standard that they set for themselves. You know, we know that hypocrisy doesn't matter on the right. 
double standards don't matter on the right. So it's not like Republicans are going to be convinced by seeing this double standard in action. But we shouldn't forget that these are not serious people. Vivek Ramaswamy tried going conspiracy during a recent CNN town hall, rehashing the claim that January 6th riots were an inside job. Uh, Abby Phillip tried to fact check him. He didn't like it. It got very ugly. This I want you to see. This was in Des Moines, Iowa. But Vivek Ramaswamy first floated this in a really public setting at the last presidential debate. He said, we know now. we now know January 6th was an inside job. He tried it again. He was confronted. Here is Abby Phillip trying to challenge those claims. Debates. Let me ask you about something that you said at the debate last week. You used the phrase inside job to describe what happened on January 6th. The next day, Capitol rioter Alan Hosteller uh, highlighted your comments at his sentencing. He is going to prison for 11 years. Hosteller uh, threatened members of Congress. He brought a hatchet, knives, pepper spray, stun batons, tactical gear to the U.S. Capitol. Tourist. Are you concerned that a convicted felon like that is now promoting your comments in court? So here's my concern, Abby. And I want to tell you guys where I'm at. Yeah. If you had told me it's close to three years ago that January 6, 2021 happened, if you had told me three years ago, back when I was a biotech CEO, not steeped in this world, I was just consuming passive media, but was focused on my world of developing medicines. If you had told me that January 6 was in any way an inside job, the subject of government entrapment, right? I would have told you that was crazy talk. Right. You would have been right. Fringe conspiracy theory nonsense. Yeah. I can tell you now, having gone somewhat deep in this, it's not. I mean, the reality is this. We do have a government, first of all, we have to acknowledge that has lied to us systematically over the last several years about the origin of COVID-19, about the Hunter Biden laptop that we were told was false. Oh, boy. By 51 CIA experts and otherwise, before we now know that it was true. You can go straight down the list, the Trump-Russia disinformation collusion hoax, all of it. Now we come to January 6th. The reality is we know that there were federal law enforcement agents in that field. We don't know how many. I think it's shameful. If, if I may finish this answer, well, let me this just. Is, this is really I, I'm going to. I'm going to go ahead and interrupt you here because because you're I know this, that there the establishment were, doesn't approve of this message. I know that there this, were federal we should agents. Be able to talk about this. This network doesn't approve of this message. Well, it's a nonsense message. Think that there were federal this is, agents. This is important to talk about. You are saying important. there were federal agents in the crowd on on, yes. on January sixth. Yep. There is no evidence that there were federal agents in the crowd on January so, 6th. So why before Congress, when pressed on what the number was, they didn't say there were none. They just couldn't so say there were. So you're saying were. that there's no, that you have not seen evi- any evidence so that we've there seen were. Multiple, and so we've seen multiple informants suggesting that there were. We know people were, we know people were FBI informants who were asked. Is there any evidence? May I just finish there, this me, and well, then you me, can come back and question me. Well, let me, me clarify. I know it's very uncomfortable for you. I'm gonna... It's uncomfortable for Abby. She, he, it should be uncomfortable for Vivek. Clarify my I know this is an uncomfortable issue for many people, you, but we have to do the truth. Here. I'm going to clarify my question because I want to make sure that you understand oh, what I'm asking. Oh, I, I understand this deeply. And I told you, I was where working three years the, ago. I'm where not there is now. the evidence? Yes. Where is the evidence that the government had a plot, so let's do this. an inside I, job? But no, no, I'm not going to inside job because I'm not going to. I'm not violence on January 6th. Where I'm not going to let you put words in my that? mouth. I'm going to put my words in my mouth. And I'm going to tell you what, what I mean by that. Where is the evidence that the government was involved Entrapment. in planning or executing okay. January 6th? So I'm going, to, I'm, going to give you, I'm going to give you hard facts. And, and if I may, Abby, I know this is going to be a little uncomfortable, but we're going to, we're, we're going to go through this and you can... And you- he keeps saying that, but really it's uncomfortable to see how he's defending insane stuff. You can, you can push Just back on it the evidence. That. And you can push back on that. And let's do this fairly. Why did they suppress footage 
of now what's been released, 200 hours of footage of shooting rubber bullets into that crowd, shooting tear gas into that crowd. You didn't see that before. You saw what the response was to that. Uh, now you see footage coming out of actually rolling out the red carpet for Capitol Mr. Police allowing people in. Again. Right through the front door. So listen, you get the picture. Um, he doesn't actually cite any evidence. And so many of you, I mean, 1.2 million people watched my live stream on that day. We had we were right there the entire time, right? We saw exactly how it built and developed. They think that saying there were FBI informants in the crowd, there were law enforcement in the crowd, there were undercover in the crowd. They think that proves something. It doesn't. Anytime there are large crowds expected in D.C., you have undercover law enforcement. You have the fact that even if the presence of those individuals was a fact, it doesn't actually prove anything. The presence even of FBI informants. There are all sorts of FBI informants that, you know, we later learn are FBI informants and they're basically allowed to just live their lives. If they want to go to a rally, they go to a rally. And yes, in some way they are in touch with the FBI and providing information that doesn't prove that it was entrapment or that the government organized it or any of it. I think Vivek's desperate. Vivek's losing badly. He now is at a third of where Nikki Haley is. This is all he can come up with. It's a sad end to a campaign that was destined to fail. We all have someone on our shopping list who is tough to find a gift for. Here's an out of the box idea cannabis as a holiday gift. Our sponsor, Ounce of Hope, ships psychoactive THC cannabis products right to your door all over the US. It is completely federally legal, and they are giving you 20% off for the holidays with the code Pacman. Ounce of Hope has an amazing selection of recreational Delta 8 and 9 THC edibles, including sweet treats perfect for the holidays, brownies, Rice Krispie treats, chocolates, caramels, even honey. They also have gummies, beverages, soft gels, oils, topicals and CBD. Ounce of Hope grows their own cannabis plants and produces all of these products in house in their indoor aquaponic farm in Memphis, Tennessee. They do so much for their community, including feeding the homeless, donating supplies to local co-op gardens. That's where the hope in Ounce of Hope comes from. Ounce of Hope are big fans of The David Pakman Show. They love supporting the work we do here and you can support them. We all have that friend on our list who should enjoy some cannabis for the holiday. Pick yourself up some, too, as long as everyone's 21 or older. Check them out at ounceofhope.com. Take advantage of the holiday sale, giving you 20 percent off everything when you use the code Pacman. That's O-U-N-C-E of hope.com. Use code Pacman for 20 percent off. The info is in the podcast notes. One of our sponsors today is BetterHelp. Uh, viewers of the show, listeners know I'm a big advocate of therapy. Uh, I think it's important to make it more accessible, remove any stigma that might be associated. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. And therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest, figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. BetterHelp is therapy done entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. Fill out a brief questionnaire. You'll be matched with a licensed therapist. Switch therapists anytime at no additional charge. I'm a huge believer in talk therapy and BetterHelp is making it more accessible to more people. 
You can even find a therapist who specializes in certain areas, which maybe you can't find where you are geographically. There are lots of great benefits to doing therapy online. Get it off your chest. Visit BetterHelp. Go to betterhelp.com slash Pacman show today to get 10% off your first month. That's better H E L P.com slash Pacman show. The link is in the podcast notes. Many of you have heard me talk about the hacking that I've dealt with in the past. Look up the statistics. If it hasn't happened to you, it still could at some point. Our sponsor Aura is the all-in-one solution that I use to keep all of our accounts safe. Aura will scan the dark web for your personal info, email, password, social security number, and will alert you if it's found and will help you take steps to fix it. You'll get alerts about suspicious credit inquiries. Aura will monitor bank accounts and home and auto titles to help protect you against fraud. And Aura also will protect your actual devices from malware and scams with state of the art antivirus and a call screener. And Aura will help you manage what your kids can do on their devices with easy to use parental device controls. You can try Aura for free for two weeks at Aura.com slash Pacman. Your login credentials might already be floating around out there somewhere. It takes just a few seconds to use the Aura free trial to find that out. That's A-U-R-A dot com slash Pacman. The link is in the podcast notes. The David Pacman show continues to depend on your support. We are an audience funded program there. Contrary to what you see in the YouTube comments, neither the DNC nor George Soros fund this program. Uh, so we do depend on your support. You can sign up at joinpacman.com. We have so many great perks, including commercial free audio and video streams of the show, the bonus show, a soundboard on the website. Uh, and the new website, which is launching soon, will have an even better expanded member se- section, which is extraordinarily exciting stuff. You can sign up at joinpacman.com for a few more days. You can use the coupon code two million in honor of reaching two million YouTube subscribers. That's the number two, the word million with no space between them at joinpacman.com. Let's go to the phones on the Friday show. I love hearing from people in the audience. We uh, you can find the David Pakman show discord, which is how we do these calls at davidpackmancom slash discord. We'll start today with Tally from Raleigh. Tally from Raleigh, North Carolina. Welcome to the program, Tally. I've invited you. What's going Hi, on? David. Hey, can you Hi. hear me? Yes, I can. OK, great. I actually have sort of a holiday themed question that I'm just curious about your take on, um, especially with some uh, like viral trends I've been seeing. Viral uh, trends? Actually related to your book. Yeah. um, Okay. That's related to the holidays. So I firstly, so related to your uh, children's book, How to Think Like a Detective. Okay. um, It reminded me of actually an idea I had some years ago where like kids could uh, practice their critical thinking skills around the holidays when kids ask their parents if Santa's real and just like walk them through like looking at well do reindeer fly you know stuff like that and let them come to the conclusion on their own 
Right. So I'm wondering now that you're a father and um, the trends I've seen is uh, Christians have actually been freaking out on TikTok recently saying that they don't want to teach their kids about Santa because they're scared that it will open the door to like worshiping a false God or, or then when they find out Santa isn't real, they'll think Jesus isn't real, which is actually like similar to what I experienced. But I'm wondering now that you have a daughter and you um, value critical thinking skills, how will you plan to go about Santa in your household? Um, uh, my, do you so want listen, your daughter listen, believing Tally, stuff like that? Or? We're, we're Jewish, so my daughter is not okay. going to believe in Santa. There's not going to be any. Okay. Now, I have spoken to some Jewish friends of mine with older kids about how do you deal with, obviously, in school, they are presented with kids who believe in Santa. So what do you do about that? Do you tell them Santa's not real? Do you tell them don't go and ruin it for the other kids? You know, I don't have an answer for this, but let, let me put it. I'm going to put it this way to you. Mm -hmm. um, I am never going to tell my daughter any untruths about Santa mm. right now. I imagine saying something like, uh, oh, that's a story that's part of this thing called Christianity. Um, I guess we're not, you know, we're not Christian. And if she says, yeah. is Santa real? I would go, no, Santa's not real. Now, I'm okay. not going to go tell her, go ruin it for other kids. Uh, mm -hmm. Imagine a scenario, though, where my daughter's teacher calls and goes, listen, she's been telling the other kids that Santa's not real. <laughs> I would find it so hard to be upset about that because I think it's mm. so damn funny. But I would probably have some kind of conversation with her and I would go, listen, um, there are kids that do think Santa's real and yeah. eventually they'll figure out Santa's not real. But maybe let them figure it out on their own because they might get upset. You know, I, maybe I'll do something like I don't, I don't know. I don't know. But as far as my daughter is not going to believe Santa is real because we're we're not Christian. So, you know, I the answer might be different if we were, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, it's actually like pretty similar. Um, the person whose video I saw yesterday, I don't know if you know of them. Their name's Jacqueline Glenn. They're kind of like an atheist YouTuber. They just uploaded a video yesterday, kind of um going through these like TikToks that Christians were talking about, and she kind of mm. compared it to like, you know, what if your kid, um, being Jewish, you know, at school was saying that Jesus isn't real, you know, will parents right. be just as understanding? You know, uh, because kids speak very bluntly, you know, and you have to actually teach them to respect other people's opinions and not, you know, be rude and stuff like that. So yeah. I'm just like a curiosity thing. And, you know, um, you figure it out as you go, I guess. I that's my plan to figure it out as I go. Exactly. Now, uh, uh, Tally, it says that you're undecided. Is that true? Uh, yes, that is true. And who might you vote for? Who are you considering? Um, I feel like I'm on the side around us just because um, we are like far out. So I don't know exactly what's going to happen. Like with the primary, I'm one of those uh, few people who still have like hope that maybe Biden won't be the nominee specifically because of um, what's going on in New Hampshire right now. Mm -hmm. um, they're saying he's not even necessarily guaranteed to be on the ballot because of him trying to make, you know, South Carolina go first. But Marianne's but on the ballot. When you say you're so undecided, who, are you saying mm -hmm. you, if it's Biden, Trump, you might vote Trump? Um, no, if it's Biden, oh. Trump, I might vote RFK, even though I don't like him just because I'm like emotionally tired of the duopoly. And yeah. since he's polling high, I think there could be a chance that maybe, you know, uh, just just because this polling's high, I feel like my vote wouldn't be as wasted on that and maybe could lead to bigger change just like systematically rather than policy wise. 
But you're and not you're not telling me you think RFK might be the next president, are you? Um, I'm not sure. I think, you know, uh, I live in North Carolina, as it says, so um, I'm not I'll have actually like more information seeing how other people vote in other states before me if he's getting um, if his uh, the, the amount of votes he's getting is like tracking with his high polling, then I may be more inclined to join in on that bandwagon actually has like more of a chance. But if not, then um, if it's seeming like that'll just be a wasted vote, then yeah, I'll probably unfortunately feel kind of forced to vote for Biden. All right. Well, let's work together to prevent a Trump presidency. OK, yes, sir. All right. There goes Tally from Raleigh. Great to hear from you. Let's go next to Patrick. Patrick from North North where it's cut off. Patrick from North Idaho. Welcome to the program, Patrick. What's going on? Good to, be, good to be with you, David. How are you? Doing well. Excellent. Happy Hanukkah. Thank Shalom. You. Love it. You know, being up here, I, I got to commend Telly for the, uh, you know, the critical thinking stuff when it comes to the uh, mega Republican Party. Mm-hmm. As far as um, a confrontation, I I would I would uh, commend Luke Beasley. <clears throat> Luke Beasley doing a great job on the man on the street deal. And yes. when you're when you're talking about the uh, flip a friend, you know, flip a family member, get that blue wave and and get those percentages up to make an overwhelming statement of we don't accept fascism in America. Right. I would, I would definitely um, lean towards the the gentle side and, you know, realizing that mega is an addiction. I think we touched on this a little bit a few weeks back that uh, you were asking in one of the videos that Luke did when the younger college gentleman uh, just walked away. It's one of the only ones that just has that flight syndrome and not the fight syndrome that most addicts go through you know, denial first, fight or flight, anger, aggression, stories, fanciful stories, delusions of grandeur. Mm-hmm. Just looking at the the overall scope of of how to deal with these good people, these friends and family members of ours during the last Christmas, the last Hanukkah that we have before the next election. Yeah. Um, what would you did you have a would, question, Patrick? What what would your approach be to trying to flip a friend to trying to flip a family member that is ready to listen right now that just needs the information and just, you know, needs a needs some guidance? Well, it depends what their beliefs are that need to be corrected. Um, I don't right. think that there's any one specific um, thing I would say. It depends on what their beliefs are. You know, in general, I, I want to use a Socratic method of questioning to first figure out, do they even know why they believe the things that they believe? Uh, there are some people who will be open to exploring those questions, some some people that won't. Uh, but there's really no one approach. What I can tell you, Patrick, um, and, and I'm going to let you go so we can keep the momentum going. What I can tell you is in general, to change the mind of an individual who is heavily invested personally in certain beliefs, 
it's not short. It takes a long time. And uh, that's why the retail approach of going voter by vote by voter is so difficult because it is so time consuming. And I've not found any real shortcut to it so far. I'll, I'll, I'll leave it there. Why don't we go next to Drew from Chicago, Illinois? Drew, welcome to the program. What's on your mind today? Hello, David. Um, so I'm originally from Australia, right? My dad's American. I've been living here in Chicago for about a year now. Okay. So I'm a moderate. I can lean either way. But let me ask you a question. Being that you're also in such a major city, you know, Los Angeles, I think it is. No, I'm in New York. You, you said you think I'm in L.A.? Oh. Oh, sorry, you're in New York. Uh, I'm not, I wasn't exactly sure. Oh. What reasons would you give me to keep supporting Democrats and seeing the city isn't safe nor good? Now, I was walking along East 47th the other day in the school, and the store was getting robbed when I was walking along. Um, Democrats have held a monopoly of power for decades here in Chicago, and I think you know that, and the city hasn't got any better. Like, why should I not support something new? Well, I, you know, there, there's a bunch of stuff there. I don't know which statistics you're referring to in Chicago, and I also don't know whether things have been, quote, getting better or or worse. I think we'd have to dig into that in detail even to start the conversation productively. Uh, You would you would concede, Drew, that any city with millions of people is going to have some robbery, right? Like you're not saying the standard would be zero robbery or or are in a city of, of many millions, or is that the standard you're applying? Well, I'm originally, you know, I'm from Sydney, a city with millions of people also, and I wouldn't see robberies. Considering I was in one of the worst neighborhoods in Sydney, I didn't see as many robberies as I sometimes do or hear about, at least in Chicago. But so you you mentioned seeing one robbery in Chicago. You're saying you regularly oh, see I, robberies? I, I, no, I, I said I see it, you know, on the news and I hear it, oh. you know, hearsay, whatever it is. And I saw one recently. I got it. You but saw one my, robbery in Chicago. Eyes. Yeah, like well, listen, I, I, I don't I, know that there's really any kind of trick here. You know, the, the question is, you're saying, why shouldn't you vote for something new since, as you characterize it, voting for Democrats isn't working as you've defined it? Fine. Perfectly reasonable. The question I would ask you is, what is being proposed by the Republicans running in Chicago that you think would be an improvement by the metrics you're using to evaluate how the city is doing? In other words, which Republican candidate in Chicago has offered you what policies that you think would be better? I mean, considering there isn't another mayor election for another four years, you know, considering that most Chicago, Illinois uh, Republicans are pretty moderate, you know, maybe some type of platform you know, of Lee Zeldin trying to reduce crime would be a good policy platform to, you know, go by. Sure, and to a policy platform That's to reduce point. crime. But what policies would do that that Republicans have proposed? I mean, if you're asking me what I would like to see or what I would want to see. What you would like or want, I think, is the same thing, isn't it? I mean, it's like, you know, I can I can want this, but I like this platform over here. I kind of like it and it's close well, enough. But the, the question I'm trying to get to here, Drew, is if the democratic policies on crime aren't working, which are the policies that would work? Policies that work, I think, you know, Investing in public education. I mean, public education in Chicago is shot. We we know that's not very good. Okay. You know, I was I was lucky enough to be able to graduate before I came here to Chicago. Good. Let's so, focus on I, that I, one for starters. In general, Republicans don't want to invest in public education, and Democrats do. Republicans often want to actually hurt public education 
through voucher schemes and generating chaos for uh, educators at public schools. So if you want to invest more in public education, why would you go from Democrats to Republicans when Republicans usually want to take away money from public education? It doesn't seem to make sense. For me, it's about school vouchers. I do support school vouchers, but when they're not going to private schools, you know, public school school vouchers. But would you That's agree like that would you agree that a school voucher program is not an investment in public education? I mean, it's an investment in what school the you know the parents would like the child to go to. It's you know creating something for more generational. Let's say right, you have this school over here, you have this school. The school's got better statistics, but this school seems better off. Let's say right, this kid went to this school here. But hold on a second, Andrew, he- hold on a second, because you're you're jumping around now. Let's keep it super. Let's be super clear. When I said in order to reduce crime, what are the policies you would like to see? You investment said, well, greater investment in. Hold, hold on a second. You said investment in public education. I said, well, that's something Democrats want to do and Republicans don't. And you said, well, I like voucher programs, but voucher programs quite literally take money from public education and put it into private schools. So now it's fine if what you actually meant was you don't want to invest in public education, but you realize that that's the opposite of what you said you wanted. I think you you didn't exactly say what I said. I said I support school vouchers when they're not going to towards private schools, only if it's going towards public schools. But why would you need a voucher for a public school? They're already they're already paid for through taxation and free at the point of attendance. Why would you need a voucher for public school? I mean, if you want to go, sometimes there's an issue, at least if you want to go out of the district or go somewhere else that isn't exactly in that district. Maybe there are some school of choice thing. Listen, Drew, I I think I got a lot of other people to get to. Here's what I would say. Uh, Your first question why would I keep supporting the people who aren't fixing the problems? Great question. Fantastic. When we're getting into, well, what is it about Republicans and policies and what you'd like to see? It's all a little bit confused. So I would just devote a little more time to thinking some of this stuff through. Okay. All right. Thank you, David. All right. There goes Drew from Chicago. Let's take a very quick break and then we'll be back with more right after this. If you sit all day long while you work and you've never tried a desk that can transition between sitting and standing, it really is a game changer. I've had an uplift desk for a while. I use it every day to record the show, prepare for the show, do my office work. I'm sitting at an uplift desk at this very moment, and I've been using uplift desks for many years. We wanted them to be a sponsor and we finally were able to make it happen. Standing while I work helps me get the creative juices flowing. I feel more productive. I'm focused. I'm more alert. And it's also healthier. I'm just moving around more. My circulation is better, which is just good for your health. I use the uplift standing desks because they don't wobble. Totally stable, even with all of my show equipment on them. The build quality is just tremendous. And you can completely customize the desk by choosing from over 100 desktop choices, hundreds of accessories. I have a whole bunch of them, including a USB hub and a keyboard tray and all sorts of things. They have free shipping, free returns, free return shipping and an industry leading 15 year warranty. My audience gets 5% off when you go to upliftdesk.com slash Pacman and use the code Pacman five. That's U P L I F T desk.com slash Pacman. Then use code Pacman five for 5% off. The info is in the podcast notes.
One of our sponsors today is Straight Arrow News, an independent news website and app really focused on unbiased, fact based journalism. The top two independent media bias rating services have recognized their reporting as having a center or middle bias, no spin bias or filter to get the news. You can download their free app at san.com slash Pacman or go directly to Apple or the Google Play app stores and type in straight arrow news in the app. You will get access to daily news, investigative reports, exclusive interviews. Their free media mist tool is great. It helps me find stories that are either underreported, sometimes being totally ignored by different sides of corporate media. This gives SAN app users the most complete picture of the news. Also in the app, there's a cool feature to set up personalized notifications about topics and contributors like me. I do an SAN exclusive where I am doing weekly commentary on Mondays. Make sure to set up your Straight Arrow News app to watch it. These clips are only on Straight Arrow News. Straight Arrow News is about unbiased, straight facts reporting. Go to san.com slash Pacman to learn more and get their free app. That's san.com slash Pacman. The link is in the podcast notes. All right, let's hear from a few more people in the discord and see what is on the minds of individuals who uh, want to chat today. Why don't we start with uh, in this section with Rob from Mississippi? Rob from Mississippi, welcome to the program. What's on your mind today? What what uh, what did you want to talk about? Rob from Mississippi, I've invited you to join me. Please accept. And last call for Rob from Mississippi. And Rob from Mississippi is gone. Isn't that a sad thing? All right, let's go next to George from Virginia. George from Virginia, welcome to the program. Let's hope you're there. Hi, David. Can you hear me? Hey, yes, I can. Awesome. Awesome. Um, So I wanted to, I guess, confront you on the whole economy thing, because I think that's like a super important issue uh, issue going into 2024. And I think Democrats need to figure out their messaging on it. Okay. Um, So (laughs) there's three things I wanted to bring up because I heard this uh, podcast where these people were explaining like the disconnect between why we're seeing these good metrics in the like broader economic side, but people in polls are still saying that the economy sucks. Okay. And there's three metrics I want to kind of challenge you to take a look at maybe later. after. I'm going to make a uh, note of them right now. Go ahead. Okay. So the first one is real wages. Okay. Yep. So real wages kind of measures the buying power that people have. Um, so it takes in all all kinds of considerations like inflation and all that. So like how much, how far your dollar actually goes, right? So that's yep. kind of what that metric does. So if you look at the, the uh, data, um, all in Trump's presidency, the real wages went up the whole time, right? Yep. Once we hit 2020, it did go up until 2021. And if you remember, 
when Biden was in office in the uh, first year, he had actually good approval numbers. Mm -hmm. Once we hit 2021, the real wages started dropping again. Okay. So what's the next metric? The next metric is the average house price. So if you look at, uh, so the chart I have around 2020, right? Yep. The house price was kind of steady from, I would say about 2019 or 2017 to about 2020. Then when Biden got into office, it blew up mm -hmm. over a hundred thousand dollars was, was increased. Yep. To that and then what's the next, me next metric? And then the final metric is the vehicle price, the average vehicle price. So okay. if you look uh, at around 2020, uh, it, so the price, uh, I'm not going to like sugarcoat it. The price has been going up steadily, right? Yep. But once you hit about 2021, it, it jumped significantly. So, yep. And this is just I, new car prices or you're saying new and used? Uh, so this one I'm looking at is new, but I believe it's also with used as well. I think okay. uh, car prices in general have just gone up, uh, you know, gone up a lot. Yep. Um, so I think if you take these three things and you look at the charts and you say, wow, this all happened around 2021 when Biden was in office, you can kind of see why people are upset. You know what I mean? So let's deal with these. This is this is absolutely fantastic. And, and you know, we should be uh, we, we should be looking at this. So you talked about three different things. You talked about real wages in the United States. Real wages mean adjusted for inflation. You are absolutely correct that although real wages. So so first of all, it's important to know that in the past there have been periods where inflation adjusted wages do go down and it tends to be when there is an economic calamity. So, for example, if you look at the period from about um, 2009 down into, I mean, really all the way up to 2015, there was a six year period where real wages were flat or declining. And part of it was Fed policy to try to get the economy to recover from the 2008 crisis. Fair. We agree on the data that that six year period, we saw a similar environment of flat or reduction in real wages. Uh, yes. Okay. So we are indeed seeing that again. And this is being driven, of course, by inflation, uh, which has been a global phenomenon. So if we look just at wages, wages have been climbing nicely by historical standards. If we look at real wages because of the inclusion of inflation, you are absolutely correct. The numbers are far less exciting. Uh, the inflation is now under control. So we are starting to see that turn around. You're not wrong. When you look at real wages, you don't go. The last three years have been a party. So I'm, I'm with you. That's a metric that isn't. This is the best economy ever. The other metrics you're talking about average sales price for a home and average price of a new car and then also average price for a used car. They're all up significantly, but we know that already inflation has been high and the price of transportation and homes is part of what we say when we say inflation is up. So when you say, hey, inflation's coming down, but homes got really expensive over the last few years and cars got really expensive over the last few years, we know that. But we also know that dating back to the third quarter of 2022, 
home prices have started to come down and they've gone from I have it in front of me, 552 down to 500. That's that's almost a 10 percent decline. That's very significant. But again, we see that in the inflation numbers, the inflation numbers have come down and housing prices are coming down. Used cars uh, have started to come down quite significantly since October of 2021 and new cars have flattened and started to come down a little bit. So, I mean, listen, you're not wrong about any of these things. I just think that you've basically come to me and said, here are the three metrics I've found that seem the worst. And I'm kind of like, those aren't great. They're not the worst, but they're also not great. In addition to that, we can look at GDP. We can look at employment. We can look at stock market, labor force participation. Here's a whole bunch of other metrics that look pretty good. So you giving me this additional data um, is completely accurate. It doesn't change the big picture that historically the economy is pretty solid right now. Overall, it's not perfect, but it's pretty solid. Oh, yeah. So uh, uh, don't get me wrong. I don't disagree with your like macro picture. Okay. I'm more talking about like when Democrats are out there. Right. Instead of saying the economy is strong, they should be saying, hey, we're going to work to get housing prices under control. We're going to work to get cars more affordable because we know you have to drive to work. Right. We're going to work to make the dollar go further. Yep. I'm with you 100 percent on that. If if the critique here is the messaging has been no good. I'm with you, George. You're completely correct. Yeah. So I just I feel like because because, you know, when voters go in to vote, they're thinking about like, crap, you know, I, I can't afford this house. I just looked at last week. I mean, well, something's going wrong. And right. Um, I don't want to be just a bearer of bad news. I, I do want to bring one solution idea that maybe some people can look into Okay. for housing, and that would be vacancy taxes. Ah, so if places are are uh, uh, vacant either uh, on the sales market or on the rental market for longer than a period of time, the owner starts to incur a fee, which would incentivize them to lower the price to get someone in there. Exactly. And I just learned about it, but Canada does it to stop foreign investors from hoarding housing as an investment vehicle. Right. No, I've read about that. Uh, that's interesting. I'm going to investigate that more, George. I really appreciate the points you made and, and making them very eloquently. OK, thanks, David. Have a good day. All right. There goes George. Great call. I have to tell you, great call. Love dealing with the uh, with the specifics of a lot of these statistics. Why not? Right. All right. Why don't we go next to Nashville, Tennessee, to David from Nashville, David from Nashville. I'm inviting you to chat with me. Please accept the invitation. David. David, you're on the air. I can only imagine your audio device is having a problem. All right. Well, that's too bad. Let's go instead to Connor from New Jersey. Connor from New Jersey. Welcome to the David Pakman show. Hey, David. Hey, congrats on two million subscribers, by the way. Thank you very much. So, um, I just wanted to call in and say congrats on that. And I wanted to ask you something. So um, I've been looking around at candidates in the Republican Party. And honestly, um, I'm thinking about going for Christie in the primary. And okay. if it came down to it where Trump still beat him, 
know, Biden's kind of earned my respect recently with uh, Israel-Palestine. But hold on, uh, are you fundamentally a right-wing voter? No, not not really. I, I call myself conservative in like a Jersey sense, hmm. maybe. But, um, you know, I, I do hear out Democrats on the stuff that they say. Okay. And what I agree with, I agree with. And where I don't, I don't. But I think um, there are common sense right-leaning people that are looking at Trump and going, this is a scary situation. We don't want this. So right now, I, I think Christy or someone like Nikki would be our best shot on the right because they'll at least listen to people on the left and go, okay, I got to give these people a chance. They're Americans too, you know? Yeah, I, I agree with you there, more there on Chris more Christie than on Nikki Haley, I would sense. say. I, I don't know that Nikki Haley is as interested in listening to left-wing voices, but Chris yeah, Christie Christy at least seems somewhat. Off. Yeah. So uh, if I understand correctly, your plan is you're going to vote Christie in the primary, but if it yes. comes down to Biden versus Trump, you're going to vote Biden. Of course, New Biden Jersey is going to go. At least the geopolitical issues better. New Jersey, of course, will be very heavily in favor of Biden. So the argument might be your vote in the primary may, may matter much more to some, in some sense. I'd hope so. I Honestly, I would love if Christie got more attention because he seems to be the only one speaking sense to me. You know, he's the, the only Republican sane Party. person, it seems to me, to be totally frank. Uh, you know, it's odd because in high school, I, you know, I really didn't like him because of what he was doing with the teachers unions. I come from a family of teachers. Mm. All, all the women on my mom's side, they're all teachers. Um, so I wasn't a big fan of that. And, you know, of course, when uh, I think it was a Republican shutdown, he was on the beach. <laughs> so <laughs> we were all making fun of him for that at the time. But, you know, it's crazy. You know, people who really didn't like Christie at one point are now, you know, giving him a fair shot and going, you know, this guy's making more sense than most of these people. Not, Not that many people, though, because them. he's polling two percent. So I, it's great that you're seeing some people give him a shot, but he's he can't seem to get past two percent in this Republican primary. Unfortunately, yeah, amongst Republicans, yeah. but amongst Democrats, I've noticed, you know, if Republicans really want a shot at getting a person in there, you know, Democrats want to listen to Christie more than any of the others. So, right. He might be the only shot that they have. But that I know, agree with when it comes down to it, it's for the people. So whoever gets elected, I hope it's in everybody's best interest and it's not someone like Trump. Or anything Project 2025 related, but good to talk to you, David. Congrats All right, Connor from Jersey. Great to hear from you. Very much appreciate it. Why don't we talk to? Oh, it's so tough to say because there's so many interesting people that want to get on. But how about Henio from Maryland? I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Henio, welcome to the program. What's on your mind? Yes, hello. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. It's uh, very echoey, but I can hear you. Oh, apologies. Try my best. I'll try to make it short. Um, so my question is, why are popular, well-known progressives such as yourself and TYT, et cetera, like not coordinating or communicating on hosting their own presidential debates when it's obvious that the DNC and the like are not really, you know, willing to do so? They've already made their choices in a sense, um, which seems kind of, you know, anti-democratic. Henio, are you saying why aren't we hosting a Democratic primary debate? It doesn't have to be Democratic, just your own, you know, debate. Well, but who's going to come to it if if our own debate, if you're talking about a general election debate, the Commission on Presidential Debates does those. The candidates don't participate in non-sanctioned debates. So Republicans, that, hold on so a second. Let me finish that, the answer. Let me finish the answer, though. Hold on. I got it. General election debates are governed by the Commission on Presidential Debates. They're not going to have David Pakman and TYT host a debate. 
Republicans are not going to have TYT and David Pakman host a debate because, they, first of all, we're too small. They're not going to do it. And also, they're not going to have left wingers host the debate. And then as far as Democrats, Biden wouldn't show up and he's the presumptive nominee. So is it really worth the trouble to have Marianne Williamson and Dean Phillips debate each other uh, when Joe Biden has 70 percent of the vote? I, I, I just don't know. I, would they even do it? I don't even know. I'm not sure. I mean, it's providing an avenue. Of course, it's not going to be like an official, obviously, but it's going to be on a platform that either you or the young Turks can like host. Yeah, I, mean, I doubt obviously they would do you it. Do to have be honest, an I doubt audience. they would do it. I mean, it's basically uh, a, a I, I want to say like a foot in the door, a starting point in a sense. Yeah. Where Listen, let me do this, Henio. I'm going to make the following declaration. If the following individuals would like to join me for a cross party debate, I am willing to welcome Marianne Williamson, Dean Phillips, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. and Cornell West uh, to a, a, a conversation, a platform conversation, a debate, whatever you want to call it. I'm glad to host it if they want to do it. All right, fair enough. All right. Henio from Maryland. Great to hear from you. Let's go to a short break. I'm so sorry if I wasn't able to get to you this week, but I will continue trying next week. Wait, next week? Am I on next? Yes, next week is. Uh, yes, then we will be off on vacation. But next week, I will try to get to you. Thank you. Quick break back after this. I love my Helix sleep mattress. I've been sleeping on Helix mattresses for years now, which is why I asked them to be a sponsor. You actually take their famous sleep quiz, takes just a few minutes to answer questions about your sleep preferences, body type, sleep position, whether you have back pain and Helix will match you with a mattress that's perfect for you, which is really unique and helpful because a lot of people don't know where to start when buying a mattress. I certainly didn't. Their newest collection of mattresses called Helix Elite come with a built in Glaciotex layer to keep you cool at night, an extra layer of foam for pressure relief and thousands of extra micro coils for best in class support and durability. All of their mattresses ship right to your door totally free. They come with a 10 or 15 year warranty and you get 100 nights to decide if you like it, my audience also gets a whopping 20% off all orders plus two free pillows. Go to helixsleep.com slash Pacman and enter code helixpartner20 at checkout. That's helixsleep.com slash Pacman. Then use code helixpartner20 to get 20% off and two free pillows. The info is in the podcast notes. Let's not do the thing this holiday season where you're racing around to multiple stores, spending way too much time scanning shelves for some perfect gift and then getting another gift card for mom. Here's an idea that will make mom or dad or stepmom or brother or friend very happy this year. A digital picture frame from Aura Frames that can be preloaded with pictures. The New York Times named Aura the best digital photo frame. I've given each of my parents one of these as a gift. My girlfriend gave her parents an Aura frame as a gift. We loaded them in advance with pictures of the baby, which everyone loves. And now I can keep adding pictures or my parents can, whoever wants to manage it. It's all done seamlessly over Wi-Fi 
with the Aura app and you get infinite cloud storage. You don't have to deal with memory cards and USB uh, cables and this sort of thing. One frame can have multiple users who add and remove pictures. And I love how you can load the pictures without even opening the frame. So you give them a brand new wrapped up frame already has pictures on it. You'll also get $30 off their best selling frames when you go to AuraFrames.com slash Pacman and then use the code Pacman. These frames sell out quickly. Get yours before they're gone. That's A-U-R-A frames.com slash Pacman. Use the code Pacman for $30 off. The info is in the podcast notes. All right, let's get to Friday feedback on Fridays. We review emails that have come in, YouTube comments that have been left, Reddit posts that have been made just to get a general sense of what's on the minds of people in the audience. There will sometimes be praise. There will sometimes be substantive critiques. There will sometimes be non substantive critiques. There will sometimes be vicious attacks against me as an individual. And it's all part and parcel of doing what I do. So let's jump right into it. Many people commenting about induction stoves, some people in favor, some people not in favor. And we are going to start. uh, We are going to start with that. Eddie wrote in and said, don't let this video distract you from the fact that Kamala posted happy Thanksgiving from her kitchen that has a gas stove. Rules for thee, not for me. Well, remember that Joe Biden didn't try to ban gas stoves. Joe Biden doesn't have the authority to ban gas stoves. Joe Biden's administration recognizing that burning fossil fuels isn't the best and that um, cooking with gas at home isn't great for air quality, was wondering how can we incentivize people to get induction cooktops and getting away from gas stoves. The fact that Kamala Harris hasn't yet switched over from a gas stove, I don't think is evidence of any uh, particular hypocrisy, particularly since the entire context of this thing was based on the false claim that they want to ban the gas stoves. Now, I admit I got rid of my gas stove. I had been thinking about it for a while. I temporarily lived in one place that came with an induction uh, cooktop. It was fantastic. And uh, so, yeah, I got rid of my gas stove a few months ago and got a got an induction and never looking back. Now, not everybody is so furious about this. Fenk wrote in and said, just installed a new induction stovetop. This is fantastic. Boils water very fast. Heat control is amazing and fast. It does take a little time to adjust to how fast it is. But easy cleanup cools down fast, cooks like any other stove, just a better heat source. Yeah, you take the pot off of the burner, which is not really a burner. You take it off. It's cool to the touch right away when there's splash from when you're uh, frying Hanukkah latkes, right? You don't have to start digging in and taking a brush and cleaning those metal grates. And then you need to get a different wire brush for inside where the gas flame comes now. You just wipe the thing down and then you're done. Uh, It really is great. I understand that the prices are going to have to come down for it to be affordable for everybody, uh, but it is great technology. We are the people that are furious about this. You know, as I said before, at one point in order to cook and in order to have heat indoors, we burned wood in our houses and it was a huge fire risk, smoke inhalation, terrible in every way. And eventually we made progress to some fossil fuels. 
the progress is continuing. There's no reason to be angry about going from a gas range to induction. Unless you think it was logical to be angry when we stopped burning wood in our houses to cook. I wasn't I wasn't around, but I wouldn't have been angry about that. Um, so come on, guys, give me a break. Scott Cantrell wrote in and said, I still want to know how much the DNC is paying you. So three responses to this. Number one, they are paying me zero. Number two, why would they even pay me? I'm not even a Democrat and I've never donated to any Democrat nor to the Democratic Party. And number three, I would love it. I would love it if any one of the hundreds of people, at least maybe thousands, but hundreds of people for sure who claim the DNC pays me. Can anybody present even a shred of evidence? Is anybody willing to present any evidence that I've received a single dollar from the DNC or Soros or whoever you claim I'm funded by. If anybody can get me evidence, I will bring it to you. I will bring it to you. Tony Morse says that I, I think they're talking about me here. Yeah, that lefty is wrong about the food in rural northern Indiana. Those evangelical churches have the best potlucks. Sorry, dude, you obviously don't know what you were missing. Maybe you should go to church and learn something or some things. You can have your hipster coffee shop. Listen, when I went to rural northern Indiana, the restaurants weren't great. And I went to one of those evangelical church potlucks. It wasn't great. I'm sorry. You know, it's it's just my opinion. You're entitled to your opinion. If you think the pinnacle of food is not, you know, Sixth Street in Manhattan, the Indian and Bangladeshi restaurants and right. If that to you, that's bad. And what's good to you are rural evangelical church potlucks in northern Indiana. That's fine. I'm not trying to take it away from anybody. I just told my experience culinarily rural northern Indiana and some of the other red areas I've been to weren't great. Even parts of California, which everybody thinks is so liberal, you get away from the coasts and the the major coastal cities. It's not so good. And I have experiences there. That's a blue state. OK, it's just my opinion. No need to be offended. You're entitled to your evangelical potluck. If that's what you like, I'm entitled to my hipster coffee shop. <laughs> if that's what I like, Joe Perry said, Texas barbecue. Let me guess you want tofu and soy milk. So this is again in that conversation where I said there is good food in red states. When I went to Texas, Sure, it was Austin. It was the blue part of Texas. I had great barbecue. This person said I must have wanted tofu and soy milk at a barbecue place. That's really stupid. I'm an advocate of the Mediterranean diet, which limits the consumption of processed meats and uh, meat in general. And uh, when I went down to Austin, I did go to a really great barbecue spot. I had the brisket. Um, I don't eat like pork. I have charcuterie, but I don't really eat like pork. So I didn't have any pork ribs or anything like that. I had beautiful uh, smoked chicken. I had brisket. It was fantastic. I didn't see tofu on the menu. I don't drink soy milk. Uh, it's a processed food product I try to avoid. So, uh, you know, sorry to burst your your conservative bubble as far as that goes. OK, Vanessa Doherty says about January 6th and the rioters, they were FBI and uncover police in that crowd. 
Let me interpret this. This is a very simple sentence, but it's still mangled. I think what Vanessa Doherty is trying to say is there were FBI and undercover police in that crowd. This is not the blockbuster that many on the right believe it is, even if it's true that there were FBI and undercover police in that crowd. That's really common when there are huge events in Washington, D.C. If there were FBI informants or even agents peripherally in the crowd that day at Trump's rally later around the Capitol or undercover police, that's logical. That's what you would expect, because that's what they do at these mass rallies and events. So it's not really the gotcha that they think it is. All right. uh, Criticisms of the of my pronunciation of the state where Las Vegas is. Justin Bowman says, David, sir, with tears in my eyes, I beg you to pronounce my home state of Nevada, Nevada correctly. And then Howie says, love your stuff, but it's pronounced Nevada, not Nevada. I can't seem to get it right. And part of the problem is that this is a word that's in Spanish, which means a snowstorm, Nevada, Nevada. And what's tough for me is how to correctly slash incorrectly anglicize the word. Okay, as a Spanish speaker, that's the difficulty that I'm having with this word. So I'll do the best I can. I don't know, really. whether I can promise it'll be perfect. Nigel commented on Facebook and said, in my humble opinion and politically naive understanding of American politics, I think Mitt Romney would make a wise and sensible presidential candidate to which Julie said, as an outsider watching from Australia, I think you have a point. Yeah, I want to say it again. I don't romanticize Mitt Romney as God's gift to progressivism. But what I've said before is I would rather the people I disagree with disagree with me about what should the top tax rate be? How involved should we be in certain global initiatives, et cetera? How should education be funded? I would rather those be the disagreements than have the people that I disagree with have no respect for democracy or the rule of law want to install a dictator as long as it's a dictator that'll do what they want. Right. I mean, the scope of the disagreements with Mitt Romney would be sensible in a way that the disagreements with the MAGA cult is very not sensible. It's not about Mitt Romney's great. It's about Mitt Romney is sort of sane. And we've lost that in this country with the Republican Party on Reddit. User Radaj said, Help me understand this. Both men report to be six three, but one clearly towers next to the same individual. So here's what's going on. On the left, we have a picture of California Governor Gavin Newsom with President Xi. On the right, we have a picture of Donald Trump with President Xi. Both Newsom and Trump say that they are six three. As you can tell, if you're looking at the picture, Gavin Newsom on the left looks notably taller than Xi, whereas Trump on the right looks barely taller than she. Trump is suspected to wear internal lifts in his shoes, which is why he stands so strangely. Newsom, as far as I know, is not suspected to do it. This is just another example of what we've suspected for a long time. Trump's not six three and he doesn't weigh two fifty 
nor 239 nor 215. Okay, Trump's probably six feet or six foot one and weighs much closer to 300 pounds. You can like it. You can dislike it. You can like or dislike Trump's trade policy or Newsom's trade policy while recognizing Trump lies about everything, including his height and weight. And this is yet another example. You can look at uh, Trump next to Obama and Tom Brady and then Obama next to Tom Brady. You get the same picture. Okay, not the most important thing in the world, but Trump lies about a lot of different things. All right. If you have something you want to say to me, hopefully politely email info at davidpackman.com. We've got a great bonus show coming up for you today. We'll be back next week and it really is all happening.